Barefooting with Sierra uses Buzzsprout. Just start with the equipment you already have and a quiet space. Add Buzzsprout and your podcast is ready to go. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know that I sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and helps support the show. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world. Hello and welcome to episode 55 of Barefooting with Sierra. This podcast is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral land of Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Ojibwe, Dakota Sioux, and others for time immemorial. I also would like to acknowledge that this land is home to the Métis Nation of Alberta, and that I am a settler on this land. My name is Sierra Larson, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist. I use they-them pronouns, and I have been living without shoes since 2010. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects, to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. I break this podcast up into four parts, novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my professional life. In this episode, I interviewed singer-songwriter David Unsworth. Let's get started. First up, novels. My editor and I worked out my back cover text for Red 72 Revelation. I sent that over to my cover designer, and I have submitted all four of the Red 72 series to be produced as audiobooks on Audible. So that's pretty exciting. In lit news, Uchechuku Peter Umezrike, apologies if I've mispronounced that, I did look it up, but I tried. Um, winner of the 2021 Nigeria Prize for Literary Criticism has an Edmonton connection. So Umezrike got a doctorate degree from the University of Alberta's Department of English and Film Studies earlier this year. He won the award thanks to the depth, rigor, and significance of three of his essays, including Self-Publishing in the Era of Military Rule in Nigeria, 1985 to 1999. He's also published fiction and poetry, as well as children's books. In his academic work, he focuses on gender representation in African literature written in the English language. His work sounds fascinating, but I'm having a really hard time finding any of it here in Edmonton which is weird considering he just finished his doctorate a few months ago, literally 10 minutes away from me. His next project is as a researcher at the University of Calgary as the inaugural recipient of the university's postdoctoral awards for Indigenous and Black scholars. He's going to be researching how African immigrants to Canada depict their new homes through art in the context of claiming a home on Indigenous land. If anyone knows where I can read any of Umezarike's research, please send it to me. Brevard County Public Schools in Florida recently removed Maya Kobabe's graphic novel memoir Gender Queer from school libraries without review, breaking their own rule for removing books. According to Superintendent Mark Mullins, school staff decided to remove the book on their own authority, prompting action from the National Coalition Against Censorship. NCAC sent the following letter to the school board. Dear board members, the National Coalition Against Censorship is an alliance of national nonprofit groups dedicated to protecting freedom of expression, including the rights of K-12 students, teachers, and staff. We are writing in regard to the district's recent removal of genderqueer from school library shelves. It is our understanding that the district did not follow its book's challenge procedures regarding genderqueer. 
According to a statement by Superintendent Mark Mullins, members of the school staff decided to remove the book on their own authority. BPS staff immediately agreed that this book violates our guidelines and that it has no place in our school district, Mullins said. We are writing to urge you to ensure that all challenges are addressed pursuant to district regulations. Book challenges are often highly contentious and emotional, and the district's regulations are well-crafted to guarantee that all parties feel that they have been heard and respected, and also to ensure that decisions are made based on objective criteria which focus on the needs of students. For example, the district policy requires that books be reviewed by a committee that includes all stakeholders, that the committee meetings be publicized and open to the public, and that the committee consider the book as a whole with a focus on determining the extent the challenged material supports the curriculum. By exempting the challenges to genderqueer from the district's regulations, the district has deprived itself and its students of the advantages of this sound policy. Indeed, the removal of genderqueer demonstrates the pitfalls of exempting certain challenges from the district's regulations. Genderqueer will not appear to every student, but if library books are required to serve every student, the shelves will be bare. A library, including a school library, is meant to include a broad selection of books that provide value to students. Genderqueer clearly has value for many students, especially those who identify as non-binary or asexual, as well as for those who know someone who identifies that way and wish to understand better, as noted by the School Library Journal. It was a 2020 American Library Association Alex Award winner, a 2020 Stonewall Israel Fishman Nonfiction Award Honor Book. By exempting genderqueer from the standard procedures, the district raises the suspicion that the removal of the book was motivated by hostility to the book's position on gender nonconformity. Had the district's regulations been followed, the district might have decided that, on balance, the need of its students are best served by retaining genderqueer on library shelves. Therefore, we urge the district to submit genderqueer to the mandated review process, return it to the shelves pending completion of the review as mandated by district procedures, and make it clear to employees that all challenges must be resolved pursuant to those procedures. Thank you for your attention to this important issue. Sincerely yours, Christopher Finnan, Executive Director, National Coalition Against Censorship, co-signed by the Authors Guild, Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, National Council of Teachers of English, PEN America, PEN America Children's and Young Adult Book Committee, Society of Children's Books Writers and Illustrators. Genderqueer is such an important book for gender nonconforming kids, as I have mentioned in previous episodes. I really do think it needs to be in school libraries where kids who may otherwise have no access to books like this can have a safe place to do so. And there's still no update from the Virginia School District where genderqueer is pending removal review. Now on to comics. In comics news, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer dropped and, um, yes please, I spotted Doc Ock, Sandman, and maybe Hobgoblin? Basically, I can't wait. Spider-Man No Way Home hits theaters December 17th. I'm so excited! And I'm sure some people will be excited for this. University of Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker and his brother Alston Hooker, quarterback at North Carolina A&T, wrote a comic book Bible called The ABCs of Scripture for Athletes. It's pretty much peak vol energy, with an image of Hendon in his bright orange uniform on the cover and everything. Um, as they say in The Blind Side, that gaudy shade of orange is not in my color wheel. The ABCs of Scriptures of Athletes is available for pre-order at HookedOnSports.org if you are interested. Alright, next up is journalism, which means it's time for my interview with David Unsworth. Hi David, thanks so much for joining me. Please tell the listeners a little about yourself, 
where you're from and how you got into music. Hey, everybody. So, yeah, my name is David Unsworth. Yeah, I'm 25 years old. I live in Edmonton, Alberta. Been doing music for a long time. <laughs> I'm trying to think. My, I uh, started, I think, doing choirs, I think, was the first thing I did uh, in, like, elementary school. My mom made me do them. I uh, I didn't want to do them. She's like, you, you have a lovely voice, David. You have to. I don't want to do choir, mom. And I, yeah, I go to choir practices very, very grumpily. And I eventually, I think probably it's been like junior high, high school, I started to actually really enjoy it. And um, yeah, as I um, left high school, I, I realized that, yeah, I, I could I could make music that people enjoyed listening to, which is cool. Just having, being able to, write some songs and do some performances and have people like at talent shows and stuff at school be like, Oh, like we really enjoyed that. And and that for me, I was like, Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's kind of how, how I, how I started. I then went to McEwen. So I took a year out after high school and just sort of worked, um, did some like initial recording kind of poked around, went to open mics and stuff. And then, yeah, went to McEwen uh, the next year. So I did, like the jazz and contemporary music degree there. And so I was four years and I, I majored in, in voice. That's kind of, yeah, what I, what I've done. And then through that time, uh, writing stuff, performing quite a bit, um, busking, do like to do a lot of busking. Yeah. That because <laughs> broad, a broad overview. Yeah. Excellent. So I first heard of you cause I actually, I heard your song. Um, which one was it at growing pains? I think on the radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't remember which station it was, but mm, I mean, I loved it. it. Was. It's like, oh, I got to reach out to this guy. This is awesome. <laughs> how did you, you know, go from busking to having your songs on the radio? That's something that, you know, every street performer probably dreams of. Yeah. Well, I think having people at radio stations that uh, support local artists, I think is a, is a huge, huge part of this. I imagine it was probably, I know I've had, I think my latest single was on uh, like radioactive on CBC, but which, which I appreciate a lot. Um, And then also having like stations like CKUA, CJSR, I think is huge. Um, And that's, I, I think, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you just lose track stuff. It starts playing. I was actually in a cafe the other day and then one of my songs was playing and I was like, what, what's happening? But uh, so yeah, having those local stations, I think is, is key to, for me at least was what was what happened and, and knowing people and, and knowing the people at the stations and they're, yeah. So I can't, I can't give enough credit to, to those folks for, for putting on local music and supporting artists like myself who, you know, we might not be the big, you know, the, the big artists that everyone's going to be like, Oh yeah, play this song. But, but just having a station where people are going to put on music and that people probably won't have heard before, but yeah, that's, I think, as far as I know, sometimes it kind of, it just kind of goes out there and yeah, it just, who knows where it's been played, but that's as far as I know how it got on the radio. <laughs> there are several yeah. stations in Edmonton that have like a local artist of the month or yeah. like local band of the week or whatever. And they, they play yeah. their music a couple times a day and it is great to have that, oh, yeah. that local community. I think there is mm. something really special that we have here in Edmonton that, oh yeah. Like I have friends who they live in the States and just, it's, it's a real fight for them to, to get any radio play at all. Yeah. Mm. Do you have any, 
sort of experiences with like how you approached the radios or, or things like that, that you could give some yeah like stories about that that you can tell for maybe up and coming artists that might be curious about how to do that for sure so it's not basically what I did is I when I so when I first released like my initial I did like a EP in 2014 which was like when I was you know fresh out of high school and I was like whoa music and for that one I believe it was actually um Simply Ria March, who um, you may know her, but uh, I'm sure lots of folks in Edmonton know her around the music scene, but she works at CJSR. And so she just would play my songs because she knew about it. Um, But then with my single that I released last July, basically what I did is I is I looked up a bunch of the radio stations in Edmonton and found sort of emails of like the not the emails of like the station director, but I found the emails if I could of the particular shows and I was like oh this show does this kind of music they might like me so then I and then I basically compiled a bunch of those emails and was like hello this is who I am here's a link to my song would love to have you play my music kind of thing so but I think yeah reaching out to the hosts specifically uh, is is what I did and then I've heard my songs played a few few times to different places but yeah actually like I, I think I've mentioned this a minute ago but I it was quite funny so I sent that out the day it came out and then so I sent it to yeah like radioactive the folks at radioactive on on CBC Edmonton and I was like oh maybe they'll play it like you know in the next month or so and then uh someone on who uh who follows my Facebook page commented and was like on the link because I was like new songs out and she commented was like great song just heard it on CBC radioactive I was like what what's happening oh gosh so yeah, that would be my kind of advice. That's my experience with it is, is basically just sending it out to as many people as you can. You know, I think it's easy sometimes uh, to get focused on just be like, oh, well, I'd really love it if they played it here, or if they did this thing or, oh, I really like this show and definitely send it to those places. But also just, you know, just send it to, to a lot of people because the more people you, you send it to, the more likely someone is to, uh, to sort of pick it up and give it a listen and, and potentially, you know, play it somewhere. So, yeah. For sure. That sounds very similar to kind of how I get my books out there. Like when I'm booking a book tour or anything along those lines, yeah. I kind of contact as many people as possible yeah. Oh, yeah. until I've saturated the market. You really <laughs> yeah. want as many people as possible to hear about you. Yeah. And yeah, you just, you keep emailing people. Yeah. <laughs> every. Everybody is going to read that email. Well, maybe not everybody. Some might just yeah. click delete, but they'll at least see it. And maybe, yeah. you know, eventually someone will say yes. You just got to keep yeah, going. For sure. It's, oh, it's good. How did you kind of build your taste of the type of, of music that you write? Like you mentioned, you know, mm. these, these shows, they like play the kind of music that I write. How did you develop the type of music that you write? I think, I think it sort of happens. Like in hindsight, I could be like, oh, yes, this is all intentional, right? But I think a lot of, and I don't know how other artists, I know there's definitely artists who are like, this is the sort of thing I want to do. And then they're like, boom, go for it. For me, I guess it's been kind of a winding path, I think. I've always had an emphasis on on lyrics. I want to write songs that actually can make people think about stuff um, that have intricacies that you could listen to and be like, oh, hang on, I didn't catch this because that's like i love like a lot of 
like really sort of rich sort of songwriting stuff. So that's part of part of it for sure, and something that I think I've sort of held on to. And then, in terms of the the style, like my my initial inspiration, like um, in high school, kind of when I started to want to do this sort of thing, was was Ed Sheeran. Uh, so sort of acoustic but quite pop and I always I love like like a lot of pop music you know I love like lots of folk and all sorts of other stuff jazz and and stuff but but there's sometimes you're like man just a good like pop song you know like a catchy melody and stuff so I think having that kind of singer songwriter aspect of, of lyricism but then giving it a bit more maybe pop indie kind of kind of feel is, is where I've I've landed but then yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's about sort of how it's shaped, but it's, it's not one of those things where I was like, aha, this is what I'm going for. But it's definitely something as I've done it more, I'm like, okay, this is what I, well, this is what I find works and how I like the songs that I enjoy writing and enjoy playing. So yeah. Yeah. For sure. And the, the mm. lyrics are definitely what I enjoy for mm. sure about your music Excellent. that's usually <laughs> what draws me to songs like mm. i listen across pretty much every genre except bluegrass i don't like bluegrass it hurts my ears <laughs> <laughs> but pretty much everything else it's yeah. the lyrics that that draw me in mm. and my boyfriend complains about it you listen to ghost music how can you listen to this <laughs> choir that? they're like "Ooh, you can't even understand <laughs> what they're saying <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's not so much the sound for me as what what they're saying mm. Mm. how do you come up with the lyrics you write like is there a story behind your songs or yeah so i i feel like this is the most this is like the most cliche thing that every artist says but i i come generally the lyrics that i write come from sort of personal experience or maybe the experience of somebody that i know and then i will often maybe like extrapolate a little bit, right? So maybe I'll start with something that I'm going through or that someone I know is going through, but then maybe the song will become kind of a broader concept from from there. Yeah, I, I, I try, and I, and I also, I try to be, yeah, honest in, 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 my, in my lyrics. I, I don't like to, I know, I know there are artists that, that do this very well, right? They'll write just whole kind of stories in their songs you know and it's not necessarily their story but it's it's a you know like a lot of folk music right it's just sort of like a tale but for me yeah it's it's often very sort of personal experiences I've had is where is where I start with lyrics and then depending on the song sometimes I feel like it's it's one of these things where you at certain points a song might just sort of shoot out of you you know he'll just be like like in an afternoon and then maybe you'll refine it later. But other times, it's uh, it really, really have to sort of chip away at it, and kind of sometimes you know, like I I find like writing lyrics sometimes to be can be tiring, right? Like I'm like I, I don't know, like I have to really think. Okay, I've written this, but like how do I expand on that? What is there to say in addition to what I've already said? And yeah, so that that's sort of the how I approach approach lyrics i i also really enjoy trying to find interesting metaphors double meanings double entendres to to words and that kind of stuff if i can i do really also um i do really like like a lot of hip-hop and rap and and like the lyricism there is something that that's definitely influenced me 
the past like four or five years. So I, I like sort of trying to do wordplay stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, it's <laughs> being able to tell a story with your lyrics. That's it's so powerful. I think one of my favorite songs out there that does that is first things first by neon trees. I think they talk about how their band gets started and mm. like how they made the trip from, from California out and just mm. they like from a little small town in California. And then they went to Utah, which you wouldn't think wow. of as where you would go to start a band, yeah. but they went to Utah and then ended up opening for the killers. And wow. then the lead singer, came out as gay and like had this big reckoning with his childhood faith and mm. wow. like there's this line is like yeah. i'm i'm still deciding who i'm supposed to be and yeah it's it's very mm. powerful to be able to tie yeah. in like your personal experiences as part of that story and mm. yeah like it's it's something i think that listeners can pick up on very yeah. much and i i find also i i want to I that's kind of you're touching on something here like I want to be when I write stuff I will I don't want it to just always be maybe sometimes I do <laughs> but I don't always want it to just be like it's me here's what I write but to sort of be like okay here's like an experience that I've had and I want people to be able to listen to me like oh like I felt that way as well like about this thing or I've been you know had this experience or that experience as, as well so that's kind of a, a an element of it as well is sort of sharing those feelings of being like look like you know it's okay to to feel this way or have this 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 thing happen to you kind of thing so yeah absolutely do you ever deal with imposter syndrome at all like where Mm. (laughs) and how (laughs) do you deal with it (laughs) I don't know to be honest I don't know if I if I do deal with it like super well I definitely struggle I think it's kind of this 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 weird thing where you know uh, we have social media, which is an amazing tool for independent artists to be able to promote themselves, put your stuff out there. You can, you know, you're just directly to your audience, right? It's like, boom, it's right there. But then also just kind of, right, you see also everyone else and how they're doing. And so I definitely have struggled with like, you're like, oh man, like this person's releasing music. Oh, I should be releasing music. Oh, I don't have any music ready. Oh gosh, right? I'm trying to think how, how to deal with it i think is yeah is focusing on on how you how you're doing and not you know trying to sell it. obviously like don't be like just you know, i'm not gonna speak to anybody about their music or whatever right but to have the um i guess the security within yourself to say well this is where i'm at you know i'm i can't i can't be somebody else you know I've found like there's lots of my friends uh, that I've met throughout the years who are who are amazing musicians and and really have that personality where they'll just go for it and they'll they'll they can just be on social media or they have their schedule worked out that they can you know they're promoting it and they're they're really pushing things and all that stuff and but just understanding like that sometimes I'm that's not what I'm like and and it's you know trying not to be like oh well, I need to just do that as well. Right. Understanding that, you know, I should be proactive in things, but I don't have to do things the exact same way as somebody else, as somebody else does it. Yeah. Those would be my thoughts, I think. 
Yeah, I think it's also important to remember that some people hire people to run their social media. And it's true. Not all of yeah. us have that. <laughs> oh, it's like a whole, you could spend, it's like a, a full-time job, you know, you can spend so long. And, and then that's the other thing is, right, like, personally, like, I've just found social media for extended periods of time is just like not, it's just not great for my, for my mental health. And so, you know, if I'm promoting something, I can go on and I can do it. But then if I want to engage with my audience, then it's like, okay, I'm spending more time on here. And, and then it just can kind of get out of control. How do you, how do you set aside and regulate that time to, to not have it just become constantly, okay, oh, it's like 1230 in the morning. Someone's responding to my Instagram. I've got to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, some of my friends who have quite large followings have that problem where they're just like mm. I don't have a social media team and mm. everybody's like getting upset because I'm not replying to their messages but I'm only one person so deal yeah. with it like <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> yeah like Wait. everybody needs to just calm down <laughs> yeah. <It's> okay <laughs> it's an Instagram message they'll yeah. either reply or they won't yeah it's gonna be all right <laughs> yeah yeah any last thoughts I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, this has been, this has been fun to live you. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate you, you reaching out. I don't, um, I don't often get to talk too much about like my, yeah. Have people ask like specific questions about my, my art or my, like that kind of thing. I get, you know, I do get a lot of questions about like, Oh, like maybe just like when, when is new music coming or when are you playing or that kind of thing, which I appreciate. I appreciate that people want to see me. But it's cool to talk about, yeah, just the actual sort of nuts and bolts of, of songwriting, artistry and, and artistic development and that stuff. So, so I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you reaching out. Yeah. For sure. And where can people find your music? Oh, uh, you can find me on basically any streaming platform that I'm aware of. Uh, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, my, my single is on there. So if you search David Unsworth, I should come up. And if you want to see maybe a little bit more about me, I have a website, which is davidunsworthmusic.com. So my music's also on there. Yeah. And then also I have, so this is actually a little bit of a side thing, but I'm, I'm performing in, I have a a new band with some of my friends and my, actually my, my friend is, who's the guitar player is, is writing a lot of music, but we have a show um, coming up at Polar Park Brewing. It's in November. So if you come, if you've been to the show, that's great. <laughs> but yes, that's where you can find me. And I noticed that there's show dates on your website. So yes, there are show dates. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I try and keep that up to date with, with stuff. So if I'm playing somewhere, I'll, I'll put it on there. Awesome. Well, it's been so great chatting with you, yeah, David. Thanks, Dara. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. Last but not least, let's talk about barefooting. In Barefoot News... Joanna Duggar from 19 Kids and Counting, Counting On, or whatever iteration of that show they're on now. Uh, She's getting some hate on Reddit for taking her toddler to a construction site without shoes, which, fair. Joanna took her two children to visit their father Austin at his construction work site. One-year-old Evelyn was without shoes for this excursion. Anyone who has ever had a one-year-old probably knows how useless it is to put shoes on them and how impossible it is to even keep socks on them when it's cold. But a construction site? Girl, what are you thinking? There are nails and stuff there. Kids don't belong there with or without shoes. Sorry, not sorry. But then there are cases where I think people have overreacted. 
A Stark County, Ohio man was arrested and charged with child endangerment after his two-year-old daughter was found near the road outside his home without shoes on. 25-year-old Bruce Thompson said he left his children alone for just a few minutes while he went to the bathroom. His daughter managed to get outside and stepped out onto the road in front of a vehicle. Luckily, the driver was able to swerve and avoid hitting her. The driver stopped to make sure the toddler was okay and spoke to Thompson when he came outside to find her. The driver told police that Thompson was out of it and asked them to do a welfare check. Now Thompson is in jail and Child Protective Services is involved. This is a shockingly similar incident to what happened to one of my friends. When she was pregnant with her youngest, her two older kids got outside and wandered away. They were, I think, three and two at the time. It only took her a few minutes to find them. But in that time, a group had gathered around them. She had to speak to police. And while she didn't face any charges, pretty much everyone that witnessed the incident treated her like she was a terrible mother for letting her kid getting, get away from her and should have child services investigate. Have any of you ever met toddlers? They're crazy fast and it's like a game for them to get away from their grown-ups. Heck, I even wandered off at the mall when I was a toddler. It took my mom less than 10 minutes to find me because I went up to someone, asked them if they knew where my mommy was, and they took me to mall security. And that was the first place she looked. But, like, have you seen leash kids? They're on a leash for a reason. Wandering off is just a thing kids do. Thompson has an outstanding warrant, which, fine, arrest him for that. But child endangerment? I think not. That's all for this week's episode. I'll be back next week with an interview with author Linda Jameson. Thanks so much for listening in. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to sierrathebarefootgirl at gmail.com. Thank you to Legion X for my intro and outro music. You can find me on Twitter at Sierra Barefoot and on TikTok at Sierra is Barefoot. All my books are available on Amazon and on my website, sierrathebarefootgirl.com. My Patreon is patreon.com slash possumpete. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. Until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra.